calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. A good evening, a good evening, a party people. I am back with you as a DJ. And I want to tell you, it's a show calling out beans. You know the stuffs that I'm going to talk about now. Okay? And I want to introduce everybody here to my guy. He's a smart guy. He knows all kind of the stuffs about UFO. You can ask him. And he knows a lot of things. I'm very intellectual, No. So let me tell you something, okay? I want all you people, UFO Twitter, put your hands together, right? And I want you to welcome my guy, my brother, my other half, NFT, Nathan. Yes! Give it up to Nathan. A bunch of Sarah, Signore Nathan. Wow, that is... There's no way I can top that. I can't believe the level you went to with that. It's incredible. Incredible. But I'm going to try. So here we go. <laughs> the man with the biggest heart. My brother from New York. UFO Twitter's own <laughs> DJ Stan Marco. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. That was an amazing... Amazing run. I know that if I'm having some laryngitis issues, that you are all over this like gravy on rice. Yes, so that'll be the end of my intros from henceforth. But... No, 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 we can't. Nathan, we're, we're nine episodes in, you know? I mean, that's like saying that, uh, that Singularity Mike isn't going to grow hair back. You don't know that. You don't know that. He could. <laughs> yeah, touched by an angel, his hair comes back. It touched. Yeah, I mean, he could go with Anjali, come back with a full head of hair, look like Brad Pitt in Seven. You never know. Wow. So yes, absolutely. Well, now, DJ, we uh, we've got an extra guest here as well. What? what? Uh, there's somebody Who? in the background, a huge celebrity in the community that uh, we are blessed to have with us this evening. I'm going to bring her on. What? Brace hold, hold up, hold, nope, hold up, man. For this? Well, hold up, man. No, this 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 is a legend we're talking about. The most positive force mm -hmm. on UFO Twitter, bar none. Mm. Okay, we are so excited for this woman bringing it every day, artistically making people laugh, making people feel love. Party people, put those hands together for Texas own Akashi Chris. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Put it together! <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Akashi. You know, it's like after that intro, I think I'm getting for clips. Yes! <laughs> like Linda Richmond from New York. I'm for clips. Barbara! Barbara! I love you, Barbara! Uh, Mama La. Okay, so anyway. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> the energy of this show is uh, far surpassing any show we've done thus far. Uh, so excited to have you with us, Akashi. Akashi. I, think, yeah, I think you're on mute, too, so hopefully we can... Uh... Yeah, you're on mute. 
But yeah. but everybody, when you say the word Akashi, I want you to put your hands up like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right, just, Nathan? Can we see? Just Can you just do a test run? We can. Just a, a, like a Bram Stoker. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Akashi. There you go. All right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, we're doing And it's a thriller. Thriller. All right, so we got... <laughs> I, all those uh, pop references. Hold she on. Gets I'm going to unmute you and see if this works. Okay. I'm going to see if I can unmute her. Let's see. I can't unmute your mat, your mic, unfortunately. Akashi, I want you to know that technical issues. I am. Okay, she back. Hey. Sorry. I got a phone call in. I'm like, ah, stop calling. Not a problem. Welcome. All right. I'm so excited. <laughs> all right. Now, it's enough foolishness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are really immature. You're not like me. Okay. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I am together, mature, and adult-like. You're like the example. Yes. Like, so I think adult, DJ. Bring it together. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the people. <laughs> the, <laughs> oh, there's Grant. Oh, my God. What, Grant, why are you not here? Blurry's in the house. What's up, girlfriend? And James. Andole. Lara. Wow. Lara, so we spoke with you. Look at chat. No, it's all good. I spoke with you down there. What's up, Lara? Welcome, bienvenidos, Buzz Glide. What's up, Let's Holmes? Go check it Buzz. out. Grant, I can't believe your brother's here. Grant, this is re- he should be on right now. Why are you Can not on, Grant? Log on. What are you doing? All right, Yoda. So- <laughs> Yoda. <laughs> Yoda, where you at, Yoda? All right. We got to do some serious UFO talk, guys. So it's time to adult it up, button it up. I only have one more button. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, button it up. Nathan, smoking pipe, please. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! All right. Sherlock Holmes in the house. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm -hmm. Let's get something. Nathan, start off with our first topic. You got some lists today. Or you want me to rock this? I want you to take the first one. Okay. Okay. Oh, how Nathan came into the UFO space. So I'm sorry. Unfortunately, Nathan, this one is you. So that's the first question. Okay, great. It's from Deb. Uh, Deb, a study of UFOs and UAPs. Uh, Deb. Look. Yeah. Shout out to Deb, who's doing amazing things with research in this space. Uh, her diligence going through the, all those records and archives. I mean, incredible. Uh, so how did I get into this? Um, you know, I've always had a little bit of an interest in, in the sci-fi kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, five or six years ago, just started hearing about little rumors here and there about, uh, Tom DeLong and some kind of crazy, uh, you know, sort of theory that he had that UFOs were real, that he was talking to people. And like a lot of folks, I kind of shrugged that off, not thinking too much about it. Uh, but then December, 2017 happened with the New York times and the, uh, the videos that we are all familiar with. I uh, just sucked me right in, wanted to be a part of this conversation uh, and really kind of just started following folks in the Twitter space just to get a sense of what the Twitter, you know, vibe was with UFOs and found so many interesting people, kind of a, like a second tribe, if you will, of folks that are really interested in these uh, big topics. And, you know, there's a huge spectrum of, of thought in UFO Twitter, as you know, DJ talking to lots of different folks and Akashi also like seeing the wide spectrum of voices that are out there. And I find that really exciting because it's not, uh, you know, we're not all on the same page. We've got a lot of different ideas, a lot of different, uh, you know, kind of hopes or, or thoughts wrapped up in this topic. And for me, that's really energizing. I like kind of thinking. And fears. And well, fears. Oh, man, definitely. Tons of fears. 
Um, and I think that's very human, right? That's kind of who we are. And uh, I appreciate that, that, you know, we're like one human family tackling this topic together. Yeah. And I want to say just to follow up with Nathan, I also was a, a sci-fi uh, person. I grew up watching the original Star Trek. And when my parents told me what time I was born at night, I was like, oh, wow, I, I, I was an, alive in time for Star Trek because that's how much I was into that series. So I was also watched, consumed everything sci-fi, just like Nathan, been fascinated with Star Wars blew me away. Obviously, I saw that in the theater in 77. Mm -hmm. I was 10, exactly 10 years old, and was just like, wow. Um, we'll get into like how we came together, but you know what? Since we got a celebrity up in this joint, mm -hmm. Kashi Chris. Really? You see, I thought I was going to ask. Can you hear me? <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Okay. I thought I was going to ask questions, but you no. are. Okay, you so, are. <laughs> yeah, but this is cool. So, um, my background so, I'm from Puerto Rico and I grew up in Puerto Rico until nice. I was 17. Wow. So, um, as far as my background, I mean, I always believed I, I'm not an experiencer. I haven't seen anything, but I don't need to see to realize what's happening around me. You know, I, I mean, I'm looking at things and I'm not gullible in any way, but I've always believed in, in something, you know, something going out there in, in being in Puerto Rico. It's funny because you get the threat of we're going to take you to a junque and the aliens are going to kidnap you. That's just part of the narrative. Wow. You know, it's like a family thing. You know, everybody talks about a junque is just, you know, a chupacabra is in prime, you know, primetime news. It wow. will be like in the six o'clock news. I remember last time I visited and whenever I talk Puerto Rican and start getting an accent, I apologize. It just comes naturally. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah, it. I, love I mean, it. Things like that were very natural. So um, and then in the last, I think it was pandemic. It started making me think and looking at things. And I started looking at UFO Twitter and bumped into um, UCR and UFO Jane. And um, from there, it just kind of took off. And I am obsessed because you don't know how great the puzzle how big the puzzle is mm. and how minute the pieces of that puzzle are so if anything from that from that perspective you don't know how woo is woo anymore you know the things they talked about before are just kind of normal now so um that's that and i'm i'm my concern in the, for the future is this the people that don't think anything is out there and how they will do and i think that that's where we play a role that we can help people kind of, you know, kind of bridge the gap between people that think that there's nothing outside and um, us that we kind of we're a little bit more seasoned on it because we've been looking into it and we're more open minded. So anyway, so that's why I'm here. And because love. you asked me, DJ, <laughs> I love DJ Nathan. <laughs> we love you. Good to have you with us. <laughs> what is it inside you that makes you want to uh, make so many people in our community feel loved? Mm. I mean, I, I come in with, with pure heart and intention. That's all I can say. And I'm here to help. Mm -hmm. And I love, you know, when, when you make somebody laugh, that makes my day just as much. And, and laughter to me, it's like the greatest therapy of them all. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you could have a really crappy day and I could look down and look at, you know, Flair's Twitter and just laugh my <laughs> and I'm not going to curse because I'm trying to be cool, but I love my butt off and it just makes everything go away. And it's like if you can connect with somebody or if if I can reach out to a politician and maybe maybe have somebody listen, 
you know, one person, listen, if we don't try, we're never going to get anywhere. And we can only try in little bits and pieces. So I'm also going to be recruiting some people to the cause. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I've got some. Um, it, I came from kind of politics, which I don't get into. But mm -hmm. um, my group of activists are dying for are chomping at the bit for some activism. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll, <laughs> That's maybe I'll recruit them. So anyway. You know there are many people uh, in this space that will ascribe a certain importance to, you know, and I'll tell you that I can't think of many, uh, and, and even I can include myself, Nathan, but I can't think of many that are as important as you for that very reason. I, I realize you diverged away from the positivity. That was pretty slick. But uh, but yeah, it's, well, it's, it's I quite don't real. Feel, I, That's okay. I, I, you know what? We'll no, celebrate I you. No, I I just want to be real and nice and kind and and promote an environment where we don't cancel each other out. Yeah. Because I've seen it be so bad in other areas. So it's just you know I try to promote that. So that is something I try to promote because I just think it's healthy. Yes. We you all listen to each other. You know. You share our vision. You share yeah. our vision of what. Nathan, I have to bring, and maybe we'll get into that later, Nathan, but I want to get into the UFO talk now, and we can circle back to how we came together, but sure. I think people are going to want to uh, hear some meat and potatoes right now. Yeah. So so let's get into it, um, Nathan. Did you have something that, uh, or Akashi, did you want to uh, ask your question first, or would you like to wait? I think I want to wait because I want okay. to hear a little bit more about your backstory, and then my, my question kind of comes at the end. Okay. okay. I know. Nathan. I'm my getting the popcorn. <laughs> Nathan, my brother, what do you got, man? What's the first thing you that on that list that really jumped off the page at you? Because there were some great questions from Lucy Bell and Deb and Rodney. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of we're, we're in a bit of a some might say we've been in a bit of a lull in terms of a real sort of tangible information that has come out. Uh, in, in UFO Twitter land. And as you guys know, when we hit these lulls, we kind of like there's a disturbance in the force and the community mm -hmm. starts kind of uh, getting into uh, a lot of arguments. You know, we kind of we, we kind of devolve into some of these, uh, you know, very simplistic stances. And, you know, DJ, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, how do you kind of see the diversity of viewpoints in the community and what are you, what is your kind of philosophy on like maintaining some diversity, but uh, you know, also kind of keeping the peace and, and, you know, how do you, how do you approach that? I think uh, I like to use the black, white, gray metaphor and you guys have heard me use it on spaces. And there are so many uh, interesting opinions and people that have different types of intelligence because there isn't one type like Nathan and I don't have the exact same type of intelligence um and akashi and many you know uh, literally hundreds of people in our community so what i try to look at is that we can have go in all these diverse directions and entertain things but we also want to try to see if we can look at some 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 facts and some events that have occurred like what you know you saw what dan um uh, warren posted today about uh several people getting behind uh the gillibrand resolution in the senate not the least of which is Marco Rubio, uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, Roy Blunt, mm -hmm. uh, and, and um, forgive me if I don't remember all the, the co-sponsors of that legislation. Uh, but um, 
if we can look at a set of facts and entertain the possibility of how we got here and perhaps leave our, our prejudices aside and say, okay, um, I, can, I can feel this about this uh, set of circumstances that happened, but I can also look and say, you know what, that is a, de fa that is a fact of, of what happened and what, what led up to that. And I may not be comfortable with all the tangents that surround that, but we can agree that it happened and what may have been the driver behind that. So I like to say life is in the gray. Mm. If we say one side is black and one side is white, then it's all this or it's all that. Really, it's the gray that we're looking for, whether it be someone in our community that's controversial to some, not controversial to all. Perhaps there's just a little bit of gray there, but we can also extract a significant amount of facts and meaning from what that person may have contributed. Yeah. And interesting that you use the word gray in a UFO community uh, because it is <laughs> perfect very, metaphor. Yeah, it's a very prevalent uh, sort of image that we have uh, going around with with grays. You know, it makes me think a lot about our show. And I know we, you kind of mentioned that we would touch on it later. And I think, you know, this makes me want to touch on it now. You know, we some things just kind of happened. They fell into place. You know, you and I met really kind of by accident. Uh, through a mutual friend, shout out to Andy from that UFO. Andy, you know, huge, huge podcast there, and a great guy. And he put us together, not knowing that we'd really, you know, kind of hit it off and want to do this uh, thing together. And then you, we kind of hit brainstormed on some ideas on what to call the show, and uh, we came up with calling all beings. You had the great idea of using the the taxi cab image as a as an icon, and and that's honestly, it's a great image because anyone who's ever ridden in a cab you know we've all had like great cab rides we've all had those cab rides that are a little bit crazy uh but the thing about riding in a cab or an uber or a lyft or whatever at least for me it's a chance for me to have a conversation with somebody that i'm only gonna know for 15 20 minutes 30 minutes and and most often when i'm asking questions like they they just want to talk they want to tell me about their life where they've been and i'm not there to judge i'm just really there to listen and get to know this person for this ride and that's what we're all on together you know we're all on a ride together and i just want to get get to know folks want to know where they're from what they're interested in what drives them and for me the 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 truth you know coming to your point dj the the, the truth is really sort of the mixture of all of these di di different stories and we need all of these different voices to kind of get to that truth uh, because it's not, you know, no one's, no one really knows what, what is going on here. Anyone that has a lot of certainty, I think you have to, you know, be pretty skeptical of that person. The government doesn't know what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody knows. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with your, uh, with your point there, Nathan. And um, it is a, a symmetry uh, of people coming together. I think it's very painful for Nathan and I, when we see, a uh, like a Tim McMillan arguing with the Joe Mergia, or we see uh, uh, John, um, forgive me, the the, the researcher Greenwald. gentleman, yeah, John Greenwald uh, arguing with, with with somebody else, or Stephen Greenstreet and 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 uh, and uh, Ross Coltart. Uh, I think you know we find that painful because we see value in what every one of them brings and says in the community. And we see no value in them picking at one another. So we, we kind of wish that people would try to see if they can extract some value and then, you know, and then step away from something that maybe they do find slightly objectionable, which is just human nature after all. Yeah. 
Yeah. And to provide a platform for us to really have a conversation. I think that mm -hmm. Twitter is great as it is for really kind of just getting there, seeing lots of different thoughts at once and getting little news bites that, that come through. It's not great for having a, a, a long form discussion and argument of any kind. It's it really brings out the worst in people when it, when it kind of goes in that direction. So to have folks on our show who may have differing opinions and we can have a chance to chat it out and see the other person and kind of come to a maybe an agree to disagree, but in a civil way, that's mm -hmm. what I want to be able to do rather, rather than, you know, shut people down and say, well, you're not you're not you don't meet my purity test for this community and therefore you're not going to be here any longer. Yeah. So uh, just to you know, I, th I think Nathan wants to contextualize a little bit more about us. Uh, so really, the first time I heard him, you know, I, I said this on podcast recently is that I was almost like Andy and I were just like looking at each other like, man, listen, to this guy talk. Can you believe this? I mean, he's amazing. I was like, I was immediately I want to DM, you know, I told him, please DM me after the show. And I want to talk to him and not knowing that he was going to be my partner yet. We were just going to have a dialogue. And then, you know, the guy's amazing. I mean, let's face it. Everybody knows that. Um, we both agree on when you come on this, this program, we want you to feel more loved than you thought you could feel coming on a show, uh, that, that, you know, you're welcome here, you're loved here. And, and that's our goal is to make you feel really super comfortable. And you guys saw when we had Rick on, you know, Rick is a older gentleman. He's been through every kind of tough interviewer. Nathan and I spent hours uh, apart and in at least an hour together uh, studying up for that of how we would approach it. And we really wanted to feel a kinship with Rick. So, uh, so we did that, you know, we weren't going to try to, you know, see if we could be the really cool, you know, interviewer, Morley safer, Mike Wallace, 60 minutes guy, because that's going to get you nowhere with a, a trained uh, uh, interrogator. And so, you know, that's just an example. We want everybody to come here and feel loved. So we, philosophically we agree on all those things about how to how to treat other humans even if our approach to it is slightly different i obviously take the meathead humor approach nathan takes a serious approach but he loves people the same way he speaks glowingly of all of you when we're on private uh conversation the other thing is that Text is very impersonal. So when you hear Anjali talk about the degradation of communication according to the beings that she's interacting with of a higher density, I think in my mind that that refers to now we want to text. People, I don't have time to call you. I don't want to talk to you. I want to get like 20 characters out and peace. I'll talk to you later. To me, this is the highest form of communication that we can have other than being in person. When I get to look in your eyes, I get to feel the emotion in your voice, get your inferences, your metaphors uh, that, that are lost uh, in, in digitization. So um, that's, that's what we hope to bring is to be able to interact. And everybody knows that because there's probably more people on UFO Twitter that have my phone number than you would believe. <laughs> and I don't care. I, I've had people call me from all over and I'm happy to speak with them. Yeah. Love it. I mean, yes. you've been more than welcoming. You guys have been just, I mean, 
I have felt so much love from you guys. So if that was your mission, the mission accomplished. Because uh, that's awesome. definitely something that that comes across with your interactions with you know me and and the way that I see you guys treat other people. And I mean that's really what it's all about. Most of the arguments, when you really scrub through it, mm-hmm. we're kind of splitting hairs because we're still all on the same side. We yes. think there's something. It's like that's the unity. That's the bond. You know we. We all are on the side that believes in something that mm-hmm. others might not even care, you know, might not believe <laughs> right. in or care about, you know, honestly. Yeah. So, for, you know, for whatever it's worth. So it, it, if that's what you were doing, then then bravo, because you did it. Thank, Thank you, you, ma'am. Yeah. And, and, and I just want to say one thing. I think you just pointed this out perfectly. There might be 175 million people in this country that don't believe that there is a different intelligence that's interacting with us. Mm-hmm. But of the rest of the, <laughs> of, of the other 125 million, uh, Joe Mergia and Tim McMillan are two of them. And they agree really? on that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you, you know, there's all these people who go, you're a nutcase. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they could go to, you know, golf courses and people say, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm going to tee up over there. So, yeah. yeah, they should celebrate that they can agree on those basic facts. And they can have that conversation and not mm-hmm. feel like, oh, they're going to go laugh at the hippie. You yep. know, you know, it's what level of hippie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because what level of woo is woo? We don't, none of us know that. So, right. for whatever. Yep. I'll let you guys I mean, Lu- Luis and I should agree on what's better. A, you know, your traditional Cuban sandwich or a media noche. I mean, I, we should be able to talk about this. Come on. Yes, we Come should. On. Luis, we should. Media noche. <laughs> Media noche. Come on, I'm Puerto Rican. Media noche. Media noche. Media noche. Media noche. You sounded like you're a little bit Italian Puerto Rican. All right, so, let, so listen. All right, let's get with some questions, man. Let's get with some UFOs, Akashi. Tighten it up. Mm-hmm. Tighten your shoes up. Oh, my yeah. question. My question. Uh, so, oh, you can do uh, yours? Okay. All right. Oh, You're did ready. you ask me a question? Yeah, did you ask you a question? Por favor. I misunderstood the assignment. So I'm <laughs> going to ask you guys a question. So, uh, you know, in, in, in looking at you guys, you guys are obviously very aligned. But what if you had to kind of identify one thing that you're most misaligned on? Like, you know, things that make you go, hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Nathan, I'm going to give yes. you. I was. I thought we were going to have like a timer and stuff. <laughs> no, that's for the round table. I'm like, I was just, I'm just joking. That's um, for the round. Nathan. We'll get that for you and Grant. No, I'm just kidding. There we go. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Grant. No time uh, with you guys. So, Nathan, so I'll start with you. So, what is, you know, when, when you guys talk, it's like, what what's the one thing that you're like, mm, not, yeah. not sure? Well, we, as DJ mentioned, we, have I think we share a similar spirit, you know, so even if we get into a disagreement, we we don't let that go for very long before we both start kind of like, you know, we need to come we need to kind of come back together on the on the big things. But I will say that, um, you know, it's I'm trying to the right way to frame this, DJ, the one topic that we've both kind of gotten into a, dis- a disagreement on. And I can't think of really any others, to be honest, but it's the tic tac and kind of you know, entertaining different theories. And, and I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on it on this mm-hmm. chat because mm-hmm. we could literally spend two hours on it and we have, <laughs> uh, okay. but uh, you know, DJ brings a ton of knowledge when it comes to uh, flight 
and uh, and and you know our our engineering and the level of, to where we what we have achieved with flight. Um, it, he's got some great anecdotes about that as well. And uh, you know he looks at the Tic Tac. Uh, you know I think from that perspective, and it's it's the it really is the right perspective to look, to look at that object in terms of this does not seem like something that we as humans you know, have engineered that we could even, you know, pilot, whether we would pilot it, like our, someone inside the object or even remotely, it'd be very challenging for us to, to be able to do that because of the high level of performance and many other reasons why. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he approaches it from that lens. And, and for myself, uh, I, I tend to entertain a lot of speculation because in part, because I guess I, I'm already talking about aliens to begin with. So I sort of say like, well, what else is possible? Anything else yeah. is possible. And one of the things I really appreciate about DJ is that he kind of, uh, he, he kind of reels me back in sometimes from entertaining too many di different theories, you know, because you really can, I think this is a good lesson for all of us. You know, when you've kind of opened one box, you can be like, well, there's, there's a million boxes I can open. Any theory is possible. What about this? What about that? And I think, you know, it's helpful to kind of, revisit your biases and, and kind of say, look, maybe it's, maybe I don't need to entertain every single theory that is plausible. Maybe I need to narrow this down a little bit more and, uh, and say, you know, right now, based on what I know now, I don't think that this is a theory worth chasing. And I think that that's mm -hmm. probably the, the best, the best way I can put it without us, you know, like really get, getting into it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, and I'm not trying to start something. I'm just curious no, no, no. what you guys, what you know, what Nathan, theories you guys are not, you know. Nathan, totally uh, he he contextualized my position basically perfectly. You know, the only thing I would add to it is I say I try to take what our knowns are, mm. and I try to build out from there and look very realistically based on that because I know how technology that ends up uh, first of all I know what we're buying right now as a military I know what we're spending money on I know what's in test I know what's not in test I am um, and what's in procurement all these sorts of things so I kind of will extend out from there and see okay that but and then I'll say okay so from where we've come from the beginning of flight until now this is and what I'm seeing and based on how long it takes to go from the military to civil, I'll say, okay, this is probably possible. And then I'll look at something like that and just be like, there's so many aspects of it that you would have to understand how we fly. And when I say the word fly, I mean all that goes into that navigation, traffic avoidance, um, how we start, stop, turn, you know, the basics that you all know. And that's where I've, I'll come to that. So I'll try to find a position where I have a known, I'll try to build out from there. And then beyond that, like when we start talking about the phenomenon, geez, I'm open to mm -hmm. everything. I mean, I start talking to Nathan about ultra terrestrial and we start talking about uh, historical things like that, that Chris is very passionate about that uh, archaeologically speaking, there may be some significant things that are under the earth right now that would look like it's uh, several thousand years in our future today but may have been buried there several thousand years ago. And then we start, you know, Nathan and I will talk about, uh, you know, uh, extraterrestrial uh, and interdimensional. And I'm, I'm just so open and interested in all those things and all the time you have your James, you know, Ian Dolly's uh, with his, his meta perspective and uh, folks like Dan and folks like Nathan and folks like Mike from the Singularity Lab and folks like Rather Be Squidding. 
you know, that have all these really uh, uh, interesting ideas that provoke me to think uh, in ways that I hadn't thought of. So that's that's the beauty of it. That's why this works. The reason yeah. why I ask about the things that you don't agree on is because it actually brings up the best in how you complement each other. Mm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he's going to be, Nathan's going to be a, a really big person in this space. I, I think there's some people that know him now. I think there are some people that are becoming aware of him, but a mm-hmm. lot more people. Exo Academia, and I forgot to mention him. Sorry, Exo, love you. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, people that are going to become aware of Nathan. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, we, to me, like, uh, this is a good topic to discuss, you know, so the, somebody mentioned today reminded us about how, uh, I think it was, oh, it was, uh, Kurt Jamungle, uh, on his, uh, yes. yeah, on his <laughs> chat with, with Mike, um, with Matt, Matt, Matt Looney, yeah, so, but he mentioned that, um, you know, if this topic kind of does break more into the mainstream and becomes igno- officially acknowledged, uh, by our government uh, in a way that it hasn't done thus far. You know, we're going to have a lot of folks that are going to flood into this space that that are going to want to study it and and treat it with a lot of seriousness, the seriousness that we've all actually wanted it to be treated with for a long time. You know, we're mm-hmm. hoping that we get a lot of the best minds working on this issue and helping us understand what it is. And, you know, Kurt's point, I think, was that, uh, you know, when that day comes, that the folks in, in this little microcosm, the UFO Twitter folks, you know, we're not going to get any, uh, uh, you know, sort of applause. We're not going to get any, you know, gold stars for the work that we did to try to push this topic forward. You know, we're going to have to sort of be ready or comfortable with the fact that, that we may have to step, step aside. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm okay with that, but I do want to get your, your thoughts, DJ. I mean, if that day comes and and that does happen and you know, what, where do you see the community uh, going uh, if it becomes just a thing that everybody is now like, this is just a fact of life and the world is acknowledged. This is real. Do you see this community kind of dissolving or do you see it growing? What, what kind of you see for it in the future? For two reasons, I don't see it dissolving. Uh, in fact, it may grow. And the reason I believe that if I look at the MMA community, when, when uh, MMA and the UFC got really popular, when uh, there were people who were be, were OGs, so you know, for in our space, you could look at people like James, like Linda Moulton Howe, like mm-hmm. Grant Cameron, like uh, Martin Willis, uh, people that have been around for not, you know, like two years or a year, but decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so then you you know you could look at all the guys now like Andy and 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 UCR and all these people you know Amy all these people that are building up audiences and that trust them and i don't think that'll go away if um news person x from NBC or ABC or CBS mm-hmm. or whatever come into the space uh i i don't think because the credibility the fact that they're having to cover a myriad of topics uh, that uh, the entire spectrum of news, um, I, I don't think that that our um, I, I don't like to say the word followers. I like to say friends. Mm. So I would like to say that mm. our friends from UFO Twitter that we're engaging with every day are still going to be there because um, they know that we're more engaged on the topic than people that are covering all of life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I hope you're right. I mean, I do think that I, you know, those of us who brought a passion to this want to continue to be part of that conversation in some way. Uh, and, you know, and even if we're not, 
you know, I do think about the role that UFO Twitter plays in the the topic generally. I mean, I think I I, I know for a fact there are lots of folks that are maybe not actively tweeting, but they're observing the content that is produced by the, this community uh, that is trying to draw attention to the, this topic. And so I do see us as a kind of a like an energy drink, if you will, for this topic, uh, for those that are out there kind of doing work that we may not be seeing. You know, there may be a lot of folks. I mean, I think think of, um, you know, Elizondo and Sean Cahill and Jake Mann and the guys from Skyford. I mean, they're out there, you know, doing their thing to try to bring awareness to this topic with a lot of players who, who, who can really move it forward, but we don't, we don't see what they're doing day to day. You know, we're, we're privy to very little about what those guys are actually up to, but I have a feeling that they do kind of draw from this community, a sense of, of energy uh, and enthusiasm. And that does help kind of move them forward. At least that's what I'm hearing them say. And that does give me uh, a sense of pride in kind of what we do. And it also helps me focus on what it is that we're trying to achieve, you know, so uh, getting distracted by our disagreements is not actually helpful uh, in moving this forward in any way, shape or form. But, you know, we, we, we can have disagreements. But we shouldn't, you know, kind of uh, belittle people in that process. Tear down. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, they, they frankly, you know, like Chris, they, they can reach people that we can't reach. Uh, they can reach into Congress, you know, just look at uh, the people you mentioned. Uh, they can reach uh, into Congress. They can uh, reach over to foreign countries and be respected. I mean, if I, if one of us from UFO Twitter were to try to uh, make a trip to the UK or make a trip to San Marino, nobody's going to want to meet with me because they don't know who mm -hmm. I am. Um, and when somebody of, of a certain, uh, whether you like their, how they got their status or not, it's a fact that people were going to sit down at a table and talk with them. The Italian government, uh, the San Marinans, uh, the, the, the UK, somebody from the UK that sat down with Lou is significant. But I got a question for y'all. Mm -hmm. It's about your boy, Akashi Avi Loeb and the Galileo Project. <laughs> so, so what I want to, what I'd like to ask you, and I'd like to pose this question to you when you're done, I'd like to have Nathan attack this question as well. But, um, first of all, uh, I love Professor Loeb. He's given us a kind of like in the same way that uh, people like Lou and Chris Sabark credibility to our topic amongst a wider audience. So has Avi Loeb, because in, in, this, in the academic space, he's this big. I mean, <laughs> a Harvard professor, it's hard to get, you know, let's say I'm in Harvard or Cambridge. Right. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, Oxford. Um, so what do you think do you expect of those guys like so if i would say you know galileo project they're going to produce x uh in terms of after they get their equipment fielded what do you think that will be the result of what they're able to gather and collect once they get their sensors deployed and then Nathan as far as what you know results versus what we'll see out of the no, results no, uh, well, no, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that, but okay. results that they'll get, what do you think they will discover or find if you had to look into the imagination of your mind? I mean, I, I think he's going to get to at least understanding or, or not sure that really getting that, that evidentiary proof that everybody, you know, you can put a picture in front of anybody and they're going to find a way to dispute it, even if it's absolutely 100% true. So I think he's going to come out with, 
it'll be interesting what he comes out with on the interdimensional because that thing that's you know definitely the focus you know some of the focus that they're you know the 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 government is taking and isn't his place to put people as part of this central office that are represented from Galileo Project. So that's where I'm like trying to figure out from government to Galileo Project, say it's going to impact what they were able to deliver to us. Okay, that's interesting because I didn't even know that they were going to get uh, a member of the Galileo team onto like the UAPTF or whatever the 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 new arm of the uh, DOD is going to be. And we need to look at the chat on that one, but I looked into that and I thought that that's what I saw, that there was like three people when you actually look at the disclaimer and all the, you know, um, the details on it, that three people are from um, Abby Loeb and he gets to pick whatever those three people are. So that's where it's like now I'm thinking it, you know, Galileo Project supposed to be looking outward, but we know that the government is always also looking inward. So my answer to that would have been different before this amendment came out and all of a sudden this this reference to something that we would never even think that would be referenced by the government came out. So that I think that changes the game, especially if Avi is part of that team and if you know as Luel is on the part of the team i don't know i'm just it would be really interesting to see who's you know who's being targeted for those positions yeah for ha- sure. hashtag akashi <laughs> <laughs> yeah not me nathan <laughs> yeah so uh I, I know that i muddied the waters on that but i'm sorry because i'm like whoa i love cool that's one question i didn't expect but i'm a, i'm good with that i love Abby. I thought it was great because uh, and you you kind of brought the the topic together to to the bill so that the the bill the rebranded bill the Gillibrand bill the SA forty five ninety three uh, if you read the text of who's of kind of who's going to be invited to be a part of this uh, team I mean it's pretty broad uh, so you know you've got the Galileo folks you've got uh, SCU folks I mean the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies I mean that's you know, this is the kind of team that you would want to be working together to review this information, to provide it with a level of credibility. And and I want to use that word carefully because I think the credibility could cut one of two ways, right? They could go through this effort and it looks like I've lost some uh, some some uh, lighting here. So I apologize for that. But um, they could go through this effort and come out of it and say, you know, we've, we've actually understand this. This is, this UAPs are real. They're, you know, they are something outside of the earth, they're extraterrestrial, whatever. Or they could say, you know what, we've actually looked at this and all these intelligent people have looked at it and we've realized it's a, uh, you know, it really is some sort of atmospheric phenomena or it really is uh, an adversarial technology or it really, you know, but the, all of these people who are collectively kind of looking at this together, like these are the folks that we would want to have to to lend their seal of approval one way or the other on this now i i tend to believe it's going to fall you know one, one way and not the other um and but i'm so glad to see that list of these professionals that are included in this initiative because it gives me hope that it's not just you know the traditional go- government folks that were that we've been seeing for so long 
It, it, yeah, and I believe Avi, uh, Avi Loeb, Dr. Loeb, has been so clear on his intentions that he wants to share whatever information he gets and that he's, you know, but, you know, he was limited in the, you know, in the funding, it seemed like, for the tech that he needs. No doubt. Like, come on, man. It's like, we're going to have to do a GoFundMe for this? This right. is ridiculous. But now with with everything else that's going on, that's why I'm saying that it's kind of evolving into, yeah. into this, you know, so much bigger thing. And moving yeah. every single day, it's crazy. It's like keeping up with this is insane. Well, and you, <laughs> being on you know that what? stage saying he needs money and Jeff Bezos is sitting in the front row of the of the National Yeah. <laughs> yo, Jeff, man, yo, Jeff, hey, man. Take the credit card out. And <laughs> as, but as far as the team, I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but when you think about it, they're going to need somebody to go and get sandwiches. So when you think about that, you start thinking about me, you're thinking about Point Break, and you're thinking about Gary Busey going, hey, Utah, get me two of those meatball sandwiches. All right, Angelo. Hey, oh Utah, get me two. So I could Busey. be I could be Johnny Utah for for this team. And Nathan, do you how do you feel that I would perform just in terms of like getting lunch and stuff? Uh, I think you'd be terrific at it. Yeah. Thank you, man. I'd, and would you be willing to write a, a recommendation letter? You and Akashi? Anytime. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So Avi, if you're listening, now, uh, you can expect a letter from Nathan's office and one from uh, my girl from uh, Texas, Akashi Chris. And uh, I would do an excellent job. Uh, I'm going to respect, you know, whether somebody's like gluten free, whether they're <laughs> vegan, you know, if, if pork is not your thing, we're both Jewish, you know, even though I'm Italian. So I'll take care of you. Anyway, you're willing to go I, to multiple places. I, yeah, I, I, I yes, see. You're yes, like willing to make yes. multiple stops. Yeah, I'll bring the cooler yes. and or the hot thing, you know, so we'll we'll We're take care of it. We're going to start the petition right away for you. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to be off <laughs> my first second. Right. We're All starting right. the petition. NFT Nathan's going to be off while we entertain some questions. Deb and Lucy um, on the chat this weekend, you weren't there, Chris, but they had a couple of uh, questions. Um, I want you. I want. I want to say this. Please don't let me forget to get Nathan's take on Stephen Greenstreet because it's brilliant. Um, that said, Deb. Okay, I want the audience to know this right now. I was not going to bring up any topic that had to do with the Air Force or obfuscation or making excuses for the Air Force. So Del, let me just say that this is Deb and Lucy Bell. Uh, at a study of UFOs, UAPs. So Nathan, we're, we're going to get to the question that Deb wanted to uh, ask you, which was about Stephen Greenstreet, because uh, I was not going to represent your position uh, on air because it's your it's something that you've come up with, and I think people should hear it uh, yeah, come so from your lips. Uh, but yeah. but before before you do that, uh, I want to answer Deb's question because Deb's question flows right into Lucy Bell. So I'm looking at question number three. Oh, yes. And Deb wanted me to talk about the role of the Air Force in the nation, nation's defense. I'm, I'm sorry. And then question five, mm -hmm. where um, be, uh, Lucy Bell said, because of 70 years of obfuscation, what is so awful that they can't tell us Lucy Bell? Hi, Lucy. All right. So this is what's up. The mission of the Air Force is different than the United States Navy. So when you present your service, your service chief, to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the, the NCA is the National Command Authority. So you have, you know, the president, secretary of defense, you have the, uh, the Joint Chiefs. 
So within that structure, the Air Force's responsibility is different than the Navy. The Navy is to project sea power and air power and be able to park basically like an air. Oh, oh I'm hearing myself. Somebody's got me. On. No, it was me. Let's keep going. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm good. Okay. So, um, so what it is, is the Air Force is responsible to provide. So I don't agree with what they did. So let me just start off with that. I don't agree with lying and obfuscation. I don't I, I despise being lied to. And when someone tries to piss right on my leg and tell me it's raining, Nathan, will tell you, there's nothing that pisses me off more than that when you're trying to BS me, because that basically means you think you're smarter than me. So um, anyway, their job is basically to provide air superiority and top cover over this entire 50 states and basically be able to say to the president, we have control of these skies. Last time we didn't have control of these skies. We're December 7th, 1941, when we were attacked by uh, the Imperial Japanese in Hawaii. Obviously, everybody knows that. And in the continental U.S., I don't think it's ever happened in our history that we faced a foreign power that's uh, been able to fly sorties and, and attack us uh, from the air. So that's what the Air Force is. Those lightning bolts that you see on a general's uh, wheel cap that he wears, that's, that's what that's all about. So it was very difficult for the Air Force to be able to say, Hey, um, everybody, this is what's going on. There's a flying saucer that crashed in Roswell, and then there was another one, and there was, you know, the one they had in Michigan, and there's these different crashes, and you know what? Um, it's okay. We can't really control them. We can't take them out of the sky. We can't shoot at them. We really can't stop them from doing whatever they want to do, but don't worry, because other than those guys, we got it. So <laughs> that <laughs> nobody's smiling right now, but that was meant to be comedic in nature. Um, so basically, that was basically their reason is to be able to say to the president, say to the country, we have control of the skies. You're not seeing what you think you're seeing. We've got all of this and nobody can penetrate our air defenses and, and our air power. And so that's why that they I don't agree that they did it. I don't think they should have done it. I'm upset that they did it, but. That was the decision that was made. So we can disagree, but we can also say, I, we're talking about being in the gray. I understand why, even though I disagree with it. And, and, and that's what's so awful, Lucy, is for them to be able to say, we really don't have control of the skies because these things can pretty much do whatever they want. And there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. So that's, that's that question. Nathan, you want to go on to Stephen <laughs> Green Street? <laughs> so let's. We need a reset after so, that. Reset. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I know. It, it's not. It's not comfortable to talk about. I'm. I'm. You know. Everybody no, knows no, my, my cool. background, but that's that's the reason why they did it, even if I disagree. Yeah. But yeah. more importantly, I spoke this week um, about. I'm sorry, Nathan. Did you want to jump in about that well, before I, was, I go to Stephen? A real brief thing that I'll say, and I've said Please. this to you about that Please. about that uh, take. And that is, uh, you know, I, I've got two two kids and, you know, they're, as they're growing up, I, you know, my wife and I make decisions on how to parent them based on how we, who they are and where they are in their development and what we, you know, feel like we need to do for their development. Right. And it, it's only going to be in hindsight, you know, when they're grown up and they're, you know, they're at therapist's office for one issue or another that we go, you know what, maybe we messed up on that one thing there. Maybe we made the wrong call on that, on that uh, thing that we decided to do with them. And I have a feeling that something similar uh, has occurred here with this topic. You know, you've got a government, a state that is 
you know, in the moment had to make a decision on something that they were probably pretty ill-equipped uh, to, to, to do. Uh, and then, you know, kind of balancing the fate of their citizenry against this, this subject that, you know, they had no experience with before. Uh, and so they made a call and, you know, maybe it was the wrong call. And I think only time will, will really tell at the end of the day, do we want the truth? Absolutely. Should we get the truth? Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think I'd like to, I like to think that people are, you know, try to do the right thing. I, I tend not to look at the, at the government as some sort of big bad, you know, that I, that I, everything that they do has some sort of nefarious purpose because the government is full of people. It's full of people like DJ and full of people like, you know, your, your, your neighbor, you know, the, you, you know, these people, you know, and maybe collectively they make bad decisions, but I'd like to think, you know, most of the time they make pretty good decisions. And, uh, you know, it's only in hindsight that we can really, we, we just easily can judge, you know, whatever somebody decided to do. And, and it feels good in the moment, but you know, we weren't there. We weren't there when they had to make that call. I also would like to add, and if Chris wants to weigh on and this, we'll get here. I would also like to add, if you look at like, for example, like in the climate accords, you know, we have 150 countries that are, that are agreeing on, uh, uh, the Paris climate agreement, so on and so forth. But, there's none of these countries that are coming out and talking about UFOs and what they've seen and, and giving full and open reporting. I mean, we could talk about the UK. We could talk about Australia. We could talk about Zimbabwe. We could talk about Portugal. We could talk about Spain. We could talk about Russia. We could mm -hmm. talk about any country that you want. And nobody's, come, uh, nobody's rushing out to explain to people uh, what they've discovered uh, as, as, as a government. So it's not, <laughs> I hate to say it, the Brazilians, uh, you know, similar thing. It's not only our government, it's all the governments. It's just that, you know, we're the ones that have had the most, uh, I guess, the most famous or most reportable topics. But Nathan, that was extremely well said. Akashi, yeah. Chris. Well, I mean, it, nobody wants to be first. Nobody wants to own this problem from a disclosure perspective. They're and they're looking for leadership, and you know they're still. I mean, we are still in the United States. They're looking for us to set. You know, they're waiting for us to do something so they can figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think I think once the United States actually makes that, you know, once hopefully this office, you know, actually the bill passes or the amendment passes and everything gets processed, but you know, maybe this will be the beginning of that. But I mean, it is happening everywhere. And it's funny because culturally, a lot of the other countries are a lot more open to talk about it. You know, like locally, the people mm -hmm. that live there are very open to talk about these things. Yet their government is waiting for ours, who has like major stigma on the subject, to take action. So, I, you know, that's part it's kind of interesting. But, you know, and who wants to own this problem? And, and I do want to circle back. I'm not kind of diverting, but there's something you said earlier, we were talking about what happens to this community, mm -hmm. you know, after, after disclosure or whatever. Well, you know, who's, our jobs will evolve. I, in, in our, I mean, think about where we are now from where we were when you forgot, or when you guys first started and how far down the rabbit hole you've gone and, you know, how your visions have evolved. Well, you know, so will ours and we'll be ahead of the game, but there's going to be a lot of other people that won't. And even if it becomes mainstream, they're going to need some help. So I would think that that's where we can support, you know, we can use this to community and not let it just disband just because we, you know, we got the answers. No, that's not the end. That's the beginning of the journey. 
Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Is like, next, the next answer question. is when this gets seriously cool. Next question. So I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I, when smart. you said that, I didn't mean to, you know, cut you off or go back. No. But I think it's a way to circle back because I think it's something that's really important and it just gets overlooked. Yeah, yeah Chris, every question is just going to open another question because mm -hmm. there's so much we don't know. There, I, And I, I'm, I would guarantee if Lou is sitting here right now and he's the public person, at least the public person who knows the most, he would say, there's still so much I don't know. Yeah. I mean, okay. Rick Doty said he was scared. I mean, I mean, so I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Rick he said, I'm scared. And that dude, he said, he said, I'm scare easy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nathan, he said, I'm, I saw things that scared me. And he yeah. said, what? I don't scare easily. Right. That's right. I, I believe him. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I'm I sorry. It. I have a question from Grant. Okay. okay. Please you. Grant. You. So am I going to read this for reals? Is this, are you tricking me here, Grant? Okay, so he no. goes, here's a question for DJ. In a post 9-11 world, what are the rules of engagement for Air Force and Navy pilots in encountering UAPs? Um, there it so is. This, is, uh, this is a great question. Um, I can, uh, I'm going to try to answer this. Uh, okay. What the what the guidance is that uh, that I'm aware of is to use all platforms of intelligence gathering methodology. So that could be um, if you're measuring uh, electromagnetic uh, signals. Uh, so you know forms of SIGINT, if you will, um, optically using every sensor available, um, seeing what what radar signature uh, that that they're getting and as well as uh vis ops obviously and then also your in your your ir r spectrum whether that be with night vision and to record because a lot of uh, uh in in the older days uh we didn't record uh everything of course you know that they did on the back in 2004 but i mean we've had night vision uh, devices much longer than that i mean i flew with uh, an aircraft that had a sensor ball on it from uh, day one of uh, my AFSOC career in, let's say, July of 02, and we weren't recording. We didn't have a way to record that stuff. Well, now uh, everything, you know, you can pop those hard drives out and just replay the entire mission. So, so yes, uh, I would say, Grant, that right now um, it's collect and analyze is what, what I'm hearing. Yeah, great question. Collect, collect, collect by yeah. any means necessary for mm -hmm. those of you from the 60s and in the uh, civil rights movement. Yeah, we need to know what we're dealing with, right? No. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to go to something really interesting, Chris, um, that, um, you know, you, you, you look for these moments when you're with your co-host and you're having discussions that you wish were recorded. And some of those uh, discussions take place uh, on the telephone and some of those take place after we shut uh, the uh, the recording down and Nathan and I sit and talk for a while. And one of them, I asked him about the drama that was going on with Stephen Greenstreet. And uh, I've had some some pretty healthy and lively debates with him online. Uh, not in any way do I mean to demean him in any way or be derogatory towards him. Um, I respect the guy. He's an accomplished person. But when you 
don't quite understand why somebody is acting the way they're acting, then you'll look to somebody that might maybe have a window into that. And what was interesting is that Nathan opened a window into him that I didn't know existed um, and had some interesting analysis. And not that he's trying to in, say this is it, but he's going he's gonna to provoke some thought in all of us. So, Nathan, if you would, what do you think is the genesis of sort of a, the unseemly way, I guess, that Stephen was acting uh, on UFO Twitter with several of us. It was a little bit perplexing. And by the way, we hope you return, Stephen, because we'd love to engage with you either just there or wherever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy who's done a, a lot of great work for this topic. And I, I want to kind of shout out the, uh, that first. And, you know, what he's done with the basement office, what he's done in his writing for the Post and, you know, helping to shine a spotlight on this topic has been great. And I think that's um, was really welcomed by the community and, and his I personally really appreciated everything that he did uh, for the community. Um, but, you know, similarly, like the way that he went about sort of kind of wanting information or, um, you know, prodding people for facts that weren't weren't there. Um, to me, just sort of felt like, you know, kind of full on, uh, like he was kind of just frustrated, you know, and I was trying to ask myself, you know, where is this sort of frustration coming from? Uh, you know, because we all we, we kind of share that frustration. I mean, I think a lot of us do, you know, we want the truth. What are the facts? You know, let's stop speculating. Show me some hard evidence. Like we all want that moment where we can be like, look, you know, we can put it up on the front page and and, it, and nobody can look at that and be like, yeah, I guess there's nothing there anymore. You know, like, like there is something you cannot avert your eyes from. We're looking for that moment. Um, but what I th thought about it, he mentioned something um, I, and I don't remember what interview that it was, but, you know, he talked about his his young, younger years and uh, being a part of uh the, the, the Mormon faith and, you know, being very involved with that and identify with that because I grew up in a very, you know, uh, spiritual home, uh, and, and very much was a, you know, a strong Christian believer, you know, in my younger years. Uh, but I got the sense from that interview from him that he, you know, he gets, he got to this point in his life where he became very disillusioned with, with the church that, that he, the beliefs that he was given, uh, that he walked away from the, those beliefs and, uh, that he felt in a way, uh, and I can relate to this too, kind of a sense of betrayal, you know, a sense of betrayed by uh, that, uh, that 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 family of believers that, you know, raised him to think about the world in a certain way. And when he when he came to this place in his own journey that said, you know, there's nothing to this. This is a bunch of lies. You can't really point me in, in a direction where I can see some facts about this, about these stories. You know, the disillusionment and the frustration that accompanied that kind of fall is something that stays with, with you forever. You know, like it's not something you can just kind of write off. And so, you know, I, I tend to think that he he's bringing that similar perspective to the, this topic that he wants to be. He doesn't want to be let down. He doesn't want to be uh, duped. You know, he want he doesn't want none of us want want to be, uh, you know, not able to, to sit down when the music stops. You know, we want to be able to find mm -hmm. that, that seat and feel a part of the group. And I think that that's exactly, you know, where he's coming from. He, he wants to be confident that his time and energy spent on this topic is time well spent, that it's not going to be uh, he won't be let down. And you, you spoke of rejection, if I remember correctly. Was that part of it or did I imagine that a rejection of? Of yeah. an authority of, or 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's it, it definitely is a part of that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if 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 you come to this place where you're rejecting belief, you know, you're you're, you're pushing back against everything that you've been taught, uh, you know, it takes a strong person to do that, first of all. And let's not you know discount how much hard work it is to do that, uh, to kind of break with the, the, the molding that you've been, been given. Um, and so, you know, I think Steven's a very strong person. I think that he's uh, he's really created his own. He's he's gone down his own path and a different path from those that that maybe are, are the, those in his family or where he grew up. He's he's gone down a very different path from the, those folks. And that takes a lot of work. And um, I applaud him for that. And and every day it's work, you know, because it emotional be, investment. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, it'd be a lot easier just to kind of lapse back into that to those beliefs uh, that that structure is still there. The family's still there. The, all those things that he held dear are still there. He could just, you know, say, you know what, I actually believe that stuff again. The conformity of of returning to LDS. And yeah. Um, so, you know, but not doing that and every day taking a stand, you know, against that. Uh, is very difficult. I don't think many people necessarily realize how hard that that is. And again, I'm, you know, I'm armchair psychoanalyzing him, so I could be completely wrong. Um, but that, that's kind of how I lo looked at his approach to the, this topic that he just doesn't want to be let down, you know, that, that and, I, and I appreciate that. I mean, none of us do, right? We, we don't want to be let down by this. And, and, and to date, we are missing some, I think, some clear facts that we can really, you know, hang our hat on. And we're just waiting for that moment. You know, where is when is that going to happen? Uh, a lot yeah. of us are tired of waiting for that. Well, I got the heart bubble emojis over my head now. After he's talking, Chris, I got the little heart bubble emojis. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, I had another question here uh, that I'd like to first. I'd like to get Chris's take on this and then NFT Nathan, who we're waiting for Chris to create Nathan's nft but it's gonna have to oh. can, you, can you pick up the pipe please nathan can you yeah can you please yeah <laughs> all right. hold on, hold on. that's yeah. it <laughs> oh gotcha Captured. all right so, all right so we got it all right yeah, uh it. so uh dna uh akashi there's been a lot of talk about it. I think Lou alluded to it perhaps. And I don't know if it was the Kurt Jaimungle interview. So pardon me if someone else has that. But how do are you a, uh, a theorist in that maybe their DNA has impacted our DNA and that we're carrying it? So I'd like to ask you and then go to NFT Nathan. Is he talking about the hybrid? Uh yeah, I, I think that's where that is. I mean, I'm out of my depth here, so I'm hoping you guys can enlighten me. Yes, sure. Well, I, I, I'm very open to those ideas only because it goes back to, you know, you were talking about how I'm obsessed with certain, you know, ancient structures and ancient like, civilizations. For like, uh... for instance, uh, Gobekli Tepe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would kill to I go got there. to hear her say it. I love that place. Uh, but no, there's something in, in, I'm not ancient aliens. There's a very big difference between ancient aliens and ancient civilizations. Believe that we've seen enough, you know, we've seen a lot of structures that don't make any sense. A lot of, you know, a lot of places that the structures there's no tech that could have existed at the time. You know, I, I think, you know, from an ancient civilization, the reason why this 
kind of comes into this conversation is because we don't know who was here before us. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what we could have been mixed, you know, mixed with. We don't know, you know, we don't know if, if, if really extraterrestrials or, you know, grace are coming to, you know, to try to get the, what is it? The grace are pro the war. What was that, that story of the grace? Mm, right. I'm trying to think of is it the grace are like want when they're they're they want things to happen because they wouldn't exist if they don't happen. But you know, there's another. I'm all over the place on this because I I'm not even sure. I I'm totally caught up into different versions of what you know. What can we be mixed with? Are we part reptilian? Are we, mm-hmm. you know, did the Hopi have it right? Right. If you go down, you know, on Jolly Wild, the Hopi Indians had it right, and the Ant people, mm-hmm. you know, are part of this. So yeah, that the Hopis believed in the whole Ant people. The Star people were Ant people. You didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. No. Check out the Hopi Indians. That's uh, that was their thing. Wow. I was a big fan so, of Adam Ant. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Anyway, so I can't I can't even answer that question okay. because there's so many different ways of looking at you know at this and and I'm sorry if I botched it. You, no, Akashi, my first we're, time. We it's my no, first time. girlfriend, have me back. Oh, you uh, you're <laughs> already you get you schedule, girlfriend. Uh, oh, that's it's gonna right. Be December third, <laughs> I believe. December third, yeah. Friday. Grant, um, the Yoda. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. NFT Nathan. Yeah. Um, I. I want to ask you this question in a different way, if you don't mind, if you'll sure. entertain me. Uh, give me a little artistic license. Mm-hmm. Nathan, if I had to ask you if you had a gut feeling about this, when you look at these gray creatures, mm-hmm. is that us? Yeah. Hey, Mama. Huh? You're going to come I say mean, hi to Akash? I love the, the floating hey, wine glass. Is awesome. I wish. Yeah, I wish yeah I it looks like, woo. Oh, wow. We got it. Port wine glass. Um, she didn't feel she didn't want to say hello. She's, she's we'll get her shy. Yeah, she's hi, in her hi. in her bed clothes. <laughs> That's hi, Katie. Look, okay. Cheers. Cheers. This is to Nathan and Akashi Chris, two of the uh people I love from UFO Twitter. Of a lot of y'all that I love. What's up? Yes. What's up, man? Well, so to answer your question, I think uh mm-hmm. you know, humans for the longest time we've had stories about this, you know. So in, in I think most of our major mythologies, you know, we're we come from something that is non-human. We are created by, you know, God, we're created by the gods. You know, there's some, there's some sort of sense that this, that, you know, we didn't just, uh, you know, appear like the other creatures on the planet did or in the same manner, you know, so that this is part of our kind of storytelling. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth to mythology. You know, I think mythology helps us navigate the world and, and make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. So, you know, my gut feeling is that, you know, there is more to the story, but, you know, this is also a topic that I think, you know, it's, it's so delicate, right? This is such a delicate subject. You know, we're talking about mm-hmm. human beings and I think our friend Lampy, you know, put it really well and helped, help frame that. Lampy! Uh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, her, her point, I think, is, is a is a really pertinent one that we really cannot lose sight of of human dignity. You know, so uh, in the in all of our talk about, you know, genetic manipulation or, you know, who may be hybrid or who may not be hybrid or whatever is going on here. 
you know, we can't lose mm -hmm. sight of our common dignity. Uh, we can't get to a place where we, uh, you know, look, look at each other and say, well, you're less of a human than I am. And therefore mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's another way to divide. Yeah. I mean, we've been down it gets that worse. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, we've tried that. We've tried that throughout history and it's, and we, and we still try it today. There are people who would like to divide us that way. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not for that at all. I think, uh, anytime we talk about this, we have to be very sensitive to that subject. But I think at the end of the day, we, we want the truth. You know, who are we really? This is, these are the big questions. Who are we? How did we get here? How did we, you know, come to be who we are? Why are we so different from everything else, and and so demonstrably di different from everything else that is on the earth? You know, it's not like, uh, um, you know, there are a lot of other like super sentient, you know, creatures that that we share space with. I mean, we we mm -hmm. have an degree of intelligence that seemingly is, you know, orders of magnitude greater than than the next intelligent species that shares the space with us. Um, so I don't know. You know, it's I hope we get an answer to that. Um, I hope that, you know, it's not an answer that, um, you know, is too sort of de destabilizing, existentially destabilizing. I think we need to we need to seriously begin uh, considering it, though, uh, as a possibility. And we need to have a mature conversation about that. So if it is something that becomes a reality, that it, that that is how you know we came to be who we are. I think those of us in the community need to be able to be thinking about this in a mature way, uh, in an ethical way, so that when that conversation happens, we can, you know, really help people navigate, you know, through that challenging time. Right. I mean, it because it will be destabilizing. I mean, believe me. Yeah. Uh, Nathan was able to skate around that like Peggy Fleming at the 1980 Olympics. It was a beautiful routine. <laughs> it was. It was a beautiful pirouette. I love it. Uh, so I don't know. No, I, I, I <laughs> if, if anybody doesn't like my humor, please say so in the chat. I'm probably still going to do it, but anyway, they're all good. I know like Luis Jimenez, I'm sure him hearing me try to be funny is like the way he feels when he has influenza, you know, like he's oh my God. coughing. I need hydration. I just give me a heating pad. So anyway, <laughs> I love you, Luis. <laughs> anyway, um, but what I wanted to uh, say to you, Nathan, and I also am firmly in rejection of the uh, the analogy of humans to ants. Mm. And I get very irritated and even up to if so if you guys want to see something that I will I would argue with Lou about, um, I would say to him, no, we're not like ants. And the reason uh, and I don't think that any intelligence that is looking at us right now thinks of us as ants for the simple fact is we've created microchips. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can en engineer some fairly exotic materials and metals. Uh, mm -hmm. We can perform microsurgery the way that we perform surgery now compared to, let's say, 80 years ago is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Joints that we didn't used to be able to repair that we can. Um, we can travel outside of our, our solar system now, uh, or at least produce a craft that can do so. Um, so I, I don't think we're in, in, no matter what intelligence is coming here, I still don't think we're ants because we can actually express ourselves. We can have an experience with these beings and many of our fellow humans can come back and talk about it. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't happen if it was a mastodon or, a, you know, a sloth. They're not going to be able to come and do like John Keats and write a poem about it. So, I mean, you yeah. know, that uh, unfortunately, yes, there are intelligence that are thousands of years probably and maybe 
Nathan, tens of thousands, maybe millions, millions of years ahead of us. But we can still, they still know how to communicate with us mm. and that we could actually write a book about <laughs> about meeting them. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, your, your, your fire ant that stings my foot here in Florida can't do that. Right. <laughs> or the ones that stung Chris in Puerto Rico. We're going to get you, fire ants. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just something about us. Like to, yeah. me, to me, if we had the, the ability, like people are actually studying this now to like, could we communicate with whales, right? Like if we could actually do that, it would be cool. Like we would want to do that. We would want to learn more about the creatures that are in our environment and be able to connect with them on in ways that we really can't right now. I mean, and I grew up reading Dr. Doolittle. I thought it was an awesome story as a kid. Like that would be amazing if we could do that. So if we're encountering an intelligence that is going to write us off as not worthy of that kind of relationship, when that relationship is something we actually could uh, have, I mean, that's not an intelligence I actually want to be, you know, connected with. I'd rather not, you know, I, I, I'd be a little wary of them, quite frankly. Uh, I, I'm a believer that, uh, that intelligence, you know, and this is a very anthropomorphic way of looking at it, I'll admit, but, you know, I'd like to believe that, you know, consciousness and intelligence as it, as it aggregates upward, you know, becomes more curious, more compassionate, uh, you know, more artistic, you know, just all the things that, that are the best of our qualities, that it becomes more and more of that. Um, you know, what I, what I worry about in a lot of the accounts that we hear uh, from people is that whatever they're encountering sounds l not like that and more like a machine. Yes. You know? yes. And, and, and I would just say, we've, we've heard a lot of talk recently about future humans and, and grays and, you know, warning against a catastrophe. And, you know, all I will put out there is what if the catastrophe isn't, isn't nuclear? What if the catastrophe isn't an asteroid? What if the catastrophe you know, isn't some sort of pandemic. What if it is, it is the singularity? What if we are approaching a point in time where, where the machines, where our, our connection to the machines becomes so powerful and, and so intense and, and, and it's a point of no return for who we are as human beings. And, and we can't undo the, that. We can't undo that transition and, and think of what we might lose by giving up ourselves to that, to that point. We talk a lot about the positives, but what, what if we lose way more than we realize what if in that journey of giving up ourselves to these machines that we we lose a, a core part of who we are and maybe these future humans who aren't machines are trying to come back and say look there there's something important about being human you know and, hey nathan and can i can i sum this up mm -hmm. in one person's statement that you're aware of yeah remind the audience of what the little girl from uh, zimbabwe said Mm, yeah, we are becoming too technologized, I think was the mm -hmm. that sums up everything you just said. Yeah. Beware. They said no, they said don't yeah, don't become too technologized. Yeah. yeah. And take care of your environment. Right. So, you know, the, the scariest thing I studied in undergrad was Hansen Robotics. I believe his name is David Hansen, who's moved to Hong Kong mm. and is now without any sort of regulation for uh, the robots, the humanoid robots he's producing uh, and cloud-based uh, uh, information sharing, et cetera. Uh, and by the way, I'm sure every computer network that he's plugged into in Hong Kong, the Chinese have every single byte of data that he's putting uh, out of his computers. Mm. They're just looking at it in a lab and go, oh, okay, this is what he's doing. Mm. Um, you know that, Nathan. <laughs> and 
and uh, Boston Dynamics. I mean, you if you start thinking about general AI uh, with a humanoid robot and then the, the super dynamic abilities of, um, of that. And if you want to go the science fiction route, I mean, the one, some of the latest Star Wars, uh, I don't know if it was Rogue One, is the first time where we've ever seen one of these uh, robots actually hit a human. Before that, they they didn't uh, they didn't do that, mm. so it's um, uh, it, it's pretty scary, and and I, I agree with what you're saying. Actually, Akashi, this was one of the first yeah. uh, uh, conversations I had with Nathan, where he expressed some real questions about intelligences and danger, and that just mm-hmm. happened last week. But let let me get your thoughts because it sounds like you have yeah. Something. So yeah, I just I mean. It, Going back to the ant's comment, if we were so insignificant, I think we wouldn't be having this conversation today because they've been coming here for a while. So we're still around. So that's good. <laughs> uh, that's good. But, I love it. Perfect. Woo! So that's good, folks. And I got to go now. No, um, <laughs> I love this girl. <laughs> Go ahead, Akashi. My point because it was okay. actually okay. good. Okay, so um, so we're we're still here. Um, our humanity is valuable. There's yeah. something that they seem to seek that yeah. we still have. And if anybody's seen freaking Terminator, we I mean, every movie has told us where this is gonna go. If, if we continue to hand over the decisions to AI, AI is going to figure out that we're stupid and yes. it's going to take over because that, that is what AI is meant to test the boundaries and figure out where we're wrong. And it's right. That's what it's programmed to do. Yeah. So we're, we're, it's, it's very much a danger zone, you know, when you talk about that. And I, I don't, I think I believe that they've there's enough that we've seen from the people that have had these experiences that show that they're looking for something and yeah it looks like some of them are ai and but some of them are not and maybe mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to say we're dying you know our humanity is gone and we need it back you know i don't know and no none of us have the answers so i mean all we can sit here is just yeah. Oh, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna hit you up on I'll we're gonna hit you up on Anjali, girlfriend, because that's like that's a conversation maker. I want to hear your take on on Anjali, my homegirl. But before we get to that, uh, somebody wanted to ask. It was uh, Mike Colangelo. Hi, Mike. Um, I don't know if he's related to Jerry and the Phoenix Suns, and if and I can get courtside seats, but that's beside the point. Um, or president of USA Basketball. But uh, Nathan, uh, <laughs> um, answers uh, basically what Mike wanted to know is Jack Fillet and Gary Nolman, uh, and these guys have had uh, their hands on material that they have gotten from vehicles that have crashed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou has spoken to that. Jacques Fillet has spoken to that. Eric Davis has spoken to that, among others. I'm sure there are more that I haven't thought of. Tom DeLong. And um, what he wants to know is how many tests need to be done to determine whether or not these metals they've recovered are human or not? Who are the scientists that they're waiting to peer review this material? And why haven't we gotten an answer? Do you think that it's high time that uh, legends in our community like Jacques Vallée 
provide answers and 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 publicly give us some conclusions as to or if not at least some theories on uh, what this material is and where it came from. Maybe not where it came from, but the fact that of whether it's exotic could have been made on Earth uh, or not. Yeah, I mean, we need answers to that. I, I'm heartened to know there are people looking at it, but I think the longer it goes before we, the longer it takes to get those answers, the, the less likely we're going to like the results is what I think. <laughs> so, um, you know, there, there would be reasons to hold on to that information if, if it's not very interesting, I think. Um, then, then again, depending on who they're working with, you know, if they are working with, uh, you know, sort of people who have a lot of influence uh, and particularly influence on, on what they want people to be aware of, uh, I could see them, you know, keeping those cards pretty close to the chest, right? And not telling us what they really are. Um, you know, I love Squidding's take on on the exotic materials uh, subject. I wish I had a, a cocktail, but uh, uh, you know, his and his take is that uh, you, got the, pipe. I got, the pipe. I got the pipe. You know, what is these... affectation? Every now and again, we want some affectations for no yes. particular reason. Yeah, just every now and again. Yeah, exactly. You know, just what if know. these materials are, uh, are like uh, you know, sort of spaceship uh, just poop? You know, they're, they're, you know, he's like he talks about. This, like, <laughs> You know, this is like, space duty. Just, yeah, I mean, it's flying <laughs> off of the craft. You know, it's, it has no real meaning. It's just like, you know, the craft, for whatever reason, is almost uh, like a living thing. Yeah, it's perfect, and it uh, and it just sheds some material every once in a while, and it doesn't doesn't do anything. Or you know, you know that that would be that's an interesting theory. I think it's fun to think about. I I actually thought of a a different take on this as I was getting out of the car for yoga, and I just messaged you. <laughs> about akashi <laughs> and and um and i kind of thought of how i would answer this question mm -hmm. and i i took it all the way back to our discussion uh several weeks ago about when the government has material and they give it to a contractor and there's a custodial exchange of material which means i still own it i'm giving you custodial responsibility you can hold it you can use it you can look at it but I still own it and I set the terms of this, of uh, the mm. extension and the return of this material. And then we talk about a transfer of ownership. So we were talking about a craft and if, if an entire craft would be given over to a private company, and I told you why I thought that that wouldn't happen and gave you like 17 different reasons why, yeah. not the least of which is that um, scientists and, and contractors of every denomination will work at these test sites for that express purpose mm -hmm. so that they can have uh, they're hired to examine materials and provide their expertise and their analysis. And uh, at the conclusion of, of that research, they're uh, basically uh, contracts over. Thank you. We're going to bring in somebody else. Mm -hmm. So with regard to exotic materials, it's quite possible that whomever holds this material, uh, obviously Bob Bigelow, I think, is one of them. And I don't know which lab that Jacques Vallée is, is examining these materials. They may have custodial responsibility, but not ownership. So what does that mean? Mm. It means that the government has given them those materials to analyze, but will be able to control the outcome and the narrative that comes out of that scientific research and their conclusions that they've come up with. So if I'm Jacques Vallée and I say, I've got two choices here. I can either never see this material 
or I can see this material, but I got to abide by what they tell me I can do with the information that comes out of there when they're searching my little satchel to make sure that there's no hard drives leaving the facility right. and thumb drives and, and, mm -hmm. and hard copies. So uh, the only thing I can assume, and this was for um, Mike Colangelo, I'm going to make an assumption that these materials have been given over to certain labs under a custodial relationship and not a transfer of ownership whereby Jacques Vallée could, could uh, call a press conference at Lockheed or Bigelow Aerospace and say, well, this is, what, uh, this is our hypothesis, at least, is that, uh, by the way, this material, uh, we found it at a time when there was not a metallurgist on Earth that could figure out how to make such a composite with these materials. And there are some uh, components of it and ores and elements of it that uh, maybe aren't even uh, present in this concentration on planet Earth. Whatever he would say. And I'm just throwing, I'm just giving you a scenario. I believe that if there's a custodial relationship, they can prevent that press conference from happening. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I just literally came up with that out of the car because I'm like, Nathan's asking me, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, well, we have all these questions. I'm like, okay, let me grab one and see what I can think of. That's all I can think of is they're not going to necessarily allow him to say whatever, if he's been looking at that material, whatever they think it is, and come out and say, hey, guys, we got a piece of metal. Pretty damn sure it's not from this planet, and we didn't make it. <laughs> so, right. And and that may be exactly what that material is based on what um, – Jeez, uh, Jesse Marcel and his son have mm -hmm. said, and uh, Jacques Vallée have said, and 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 even Luis Elizondo and and others. Yeah. So, <laughs> what else we got here, guys? Uh, uh, someone asked about Barbara Marsden and the hybridizing theory. I think both of you have spoken to that. Um, <laughs> beamed energy propulsion. Rodney wanted to know about beamed energy propulsion that Chris Mellon talked about, and what do we think about it? So. Uh, if do you guys want to take a shot at beamed energy propulsion? I think it's great. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was gonna I, say I, that's Nathan because yeah. I'm like, back to you, Nathan. It's you know, who doesn't love beamed energy propulsion? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool technology where they're going to use uh, the, the rudimentary explanation is they're using lasers uh, to point at objects that are in space to energize. Uh, like the surface of those objects. And by doing that, they can uh, cause like small uh, sort of changes in acceleration. Um, and so, you know, the thing about space, which is very cool is you can, if, as long as you can just gradually increase the speed, uh, eventually you're going to get up to some really incredible speeds in space. Uh, so, you know, to the extent that we could, you know, shoot a laser, a laser out at an object and, and cause that to, uh, to continue to accelerate, we could really get, uh, much faster speeds than we, we've achieved before. Uh, but it's, you know, it is very experimental and, uh, you know, it would be challenging and you got to shoot lasers in space, which, you know, it has its own issues. Yep. I, I think it's, uh, it, as Nathan said, it's fascinating. I don't, if you're asking us if we think that's a technology that can be used to fly the various different craft that we've seen, um, I, I don't think that that's possible at this point in time, Not at least not to... Uh, to fly like tactically speaking and be able to make turns. There's a lot of a lot of different dynamics there, and it is super comforting if we could say that this is something that we could just you know 
execute this with technologies that exist, but the evidence uh, at this point says otherwise. But I hope that, that the evidence is going to say yes, because I'm very into not polluting. Yeah. I'm very into um, if we could have a, a technology that could propulse uh, aircraft through the air without burning dinosaurs uh, and, and, and burning fuel and creating uh, carbon emissions that are getting in the atmosphere. So I would love to see any kind of a propulsive technology that, uh, and right now what I'm seeing is uh, that we're not, we're fielding engines that burn considerably cleaner. So if you were to look at or even listen to a, a, a New York Mets game back from the late 70s and you heard a turbojet engine. And when I say turbojet, I'm, I'm saying that you guys are looking out at the wing and you're seeing one entire cowling from front to back, from the inlet of the engine to the exhaust. You're seeing one smooth cowling and that's what we would have called a turbojet now we have a turbo fan where you guys are seeing this gigantic fan and then there's a core jet engine inside there and then you'll have a couple of different stages of turbine one of them turns that fan and then the other one turns the actual uh uh, compressor section of the, the jet jet engine that you're seeing to suck the air in. Mm -hmm. So that's a technology that's much cleaner and much quieter. And you wouldn't hear the deafening roar going over <laughs> Shea stadium that you would have heard it in the days when the SST was flying mm -hmm. and even your typical 707 back then, mm -hmm. uh, or even an mm -hmm. L 10, 11 or DC 10. Wow. So technologies come, uh, uh, we're burning cleaner, uh, and we're using less fuel now. But um, that um, still, basically, they're using the very same theorem that we flew on and flew with in 1903. So, yeah. I have right a question. Can yes, I, can I ask in the chat? No, yeah, please. In the chat. So, hi, we have a question in the chat. Hi. Actually, it says uh, this actually brings up a good point. So Deborah was talking. It's like uh, they were talking about the laser. She goes, "Think, uh, think it will still work with all the Russian debris in the way." I love that point because this actually brings up, you know, what other things, you know, what insights do you guys have into um, all this Russian mess that they've made up there in the last couple of days? I know this is pretty new, but you know, any insights? Any thoughts? I'd love DJ's take on that. Um, so, uh, all I can really tell you guys is that there's, uh, let's just say a bit of a, uh, a competition going on right now between the United States, China and Russia. And, um, it's, uh, that's, it's, it's, uh, a, a bit of a paradigm shift from where we were, were 12 months ago. And, um, it's a very real problem and that space that these uh, that orbit that the satellites are um, that are uh, uh, that particular distance in space from the Earth is becoming extremely crowded. Like they were saying that telescopes can't see through through this band now. They're space junk. Uh, there are uh, uh, Chinese satellites and other satellites that are ours as well that are defunct, that are floating in space, that pose a problem, and the destruction of which could cause uh, the destruction of another satellite as debris hits. The space station is, is, is uh, somewhat in jeopardy as well. And um, it's not a good situation. It's why the Space Force exists. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's not something that makes me feel good or that I, I celebrate. But at the same time, 
uh, when somebody enters a battle space, you also have to enter that battle space, whether you want to be there or not. Yeah. And, and space is, uh, you know, it's, it's challenge has its own challenges, unique challenges, right? It's, you know, I think of it like, uh, you know, if, if you're familiar with uh, traffic in Los Angeles or New York, these big metropolitan areas, you've got a lot of vehicles that are on those uh, freeways and those cars are all trying to get a certain place or trying to do a certain thing. Some are trying to bring you goods and services. Some are trying to get a person from point A to point B, you know, they're, they're just doing lots of different things. If one car has an accident, you know, what, what typically happens on in, in, in an already crowded freeway? Well, the whole thing gets, you know, impacted. And this is, this is why it's so delicate, right? It's, um, not only do we have humans out there on the space station that we, you know, we just think about the, the, the those people, but uh, you know, the world depends on space. Like literally our economies are, they're all connected. They're entwined, uh, you know, goods and services flow and, and so many things happen because of the assets that are in space. And that's not just true for the United States. It's true for all of these major powers. And so, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, with pinpoint precision, kind of take out a particular asset there and not damage anything else in the process uh, is a pretty powerful capability. If, in fact, you know, they've reached a point where they can do that. This demonstration tells me that they may not quite be uh, able to, you know, sort of surgically, uh, you know, sort of inhibit just one asset. You know, you've, cr you've created a debris field. We've got a, a, a larger problem. That could impact not just uh you know your adversary's assets but also your own you know so you have to be pretty careful with what you're doing up there but it is i mean dj you're mm -hmm. right it's the next it is the next battlefront unfortunately yep. i i, I want to frame it i want to frame it this way so people understand that space doesn't mean space mm. but if let's say for example that we received an intel report that uh, that people were, and I'm gonna. This is gonna be a fantastic example. So think phantasm, think journey to the center of the earth type stuff. Let's say that people were digging holes in. Um, so we're just gonna say country X that exists right on the edge of of Africa on the the western coast, and they were digging. They were gonna dig right across, right, and they're under the ocean, and all of a sudden. You know, you, you have sonar uh, 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 amphibious vehicles that can see that they're actually digging and tunneling under the ocean. And when they come up, they're going to be right smack in the middle of Brazil. The Brazilians are going to say they're doing this. We now need to tunnel under. Under the ocean. And this has now become a battle space, mm -hmm. whether we want it to be a battle space or not. It's existential now. They are tunneling under, and when they pop up, they're going to be in miniature ice, and their their troops are just going to come pouring out and take over miniature ice. So that's that's an example of what I'm talking about, is that when somebody enters into a new area, whether that be underground, whether that be overground, whether that be in space, wherever, it's like you walking to a parking lot, and you're with your family, and you're after dinner, and somebody comes up and approaches you, and they say, you know what? I want to fight you. And you're right standing there with your family. We're going to have a fight now. There's not a question of whether or not we're going to fight. We're going to have a fight. Mm -hmm. Who's going to win? That's the question. But there is going to be a fight. So anyway, that's enough of that stuff. <laughs> Let's get back to having some fun because it's about time to shut this down. Because one of the hey. things we try to do here is always leave you one more.
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want more Akashi, Chris? You're going to get her December 3rd. You right. want Grant Lavac? You want to bring some yoga business up in here and have some Jedi stuff going down and a hood in the whole nine is lightsaber and, and, and Chris is there. She's going to have the one that's got the, the red on both sides. You know, I oh, get yeah. it, man. No, that's the bad guys. <laughs> that's fine. You're going to battle Grant. What do you care? Let's not get picky here. Is Rand a problem? Let's give me green. <laughs> it's not. I'm kidding. It's that's not a battle. It's, it's not a battle. Uh, Nathan. My yes. brother, this yes. was so much fun having a one-on-one conversation. Enjoyed it. I thought we were going to fight and stuff, but I'm <laughs> glad we didn't. Yeah. You guys got along know. really well. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, we love each other. We're going to do, man. You know? Um, and <laughs> um, Akashi, Chris, so you're going to join us on the 3rd. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to have some dr- We're going to have some drinks. So I don't think yes. this is going to be a sober episode. No. Okay? Not going to happen. And then, I, I don't I don't drink, but you know, yeah. I, if I have a five hour energy, you just can't stop me from talking. Maybe six, maybe six. <laughs> um, and you know something else. Six Hi Grant. Grant. We Hi, can't man, wait to Grant. we can't wait to see it, brother. What's up, mate? Yes. Um, I gotta tell you this though, Grant. After we d- deal with you and Akashi Chris, which ain't gonna be easy. He's a handful He's carrying all those groceries up to the fourth floor. Nathan and I are going to be on with Alien Girl on Sunday. Yes. And I'm going to have to do this tomorrow, but I'm going to say, Alien Girl! Alien Girl! Alien Girl! I I swear, I'm on chat, and she pops up, and I'm like, Alien Girl! As I'm typing it. I can't help it. I'm going to be... I'm I'm going to do some Alien Girl stuff. I I promise her I'll do it on Twitter, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for her like I did today. So we're going to be on with the Alien Girl Sunday uh, Sunday night if I don't go to the hospital on Saturday after being at the racetrack. Hey, hey uh, who's that? Steven Greer Flair. Deborah Flair, Alexander. What's up, homegirl? One love. Steven Greer. Grant. Epic. I love Alien Girl. My new crush. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> Oh, my God. But yeah, we're going to do that. So if I don't end up in the hospital from being at the track Saturday, I will see you Sunday there, Nathan. Yes, it's fantastic. Look forward to it, buddy. What you want to say about Madaluni? Mm. Come on, man. What can't I say about Madaluni? Bring me the data. We need more data. Bring it. We're going to get a heaping platter of it with him. (laughs) Heaping platter of data. Heaping platter of data. Um. There's no evidence uh, right now at all that I'm not CGI. It's true. None. I mean, I've never met you in person. You could be, yeah. And I want to thank you, Nathan, for creating me. That's why I'm so nice to you. And (laughs) thank you, Dad. Nathan, thank you for creating me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We want we want you to like. And subscribe to our YouTube, whatever. Set a reminder me so when you know what kind of idiocy is going to be coming down, you can jump onto it. And by the way, we do this because really we'll bring you some guests on here who have some gravity in the community so that we can bring attention to people that aren't as well known but are brilliant. One of those people might be Akashi Chris, might be Lampy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be Divine Daisy Girl if we can get her boss to leave her. Listen to this girl. What's going on, man? Have something. She gonna sue your ass. So <laughs> someone come on. 
<laughs> come one, come all. We want to bring attention to people that necessarily don't get it, but uh, have brought positivity in this space. You and you got some opinions, like this girl right here, mm -hmm. Akashi. Got opinions. Akashi, Chris. <laughs> got opinions. <laughs> And she's got I a great. Had a blurry, 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 a bl blurry. Hi, blurry. Blurry. I don't get to be on the chat. Blurry. blurry, blurry. What's up, homegirl, Los Angeles? Oh, there you go. <laughs> so thank you very much, Valley Girl, for joining us there. And um, I'll tell you what, we're gonna see you the next time. We're gonna see these guys nineteenth, right? This Friday. Yes, M Michael Magaluni. Mm -hmm. singularity mm -hmm. apparently he wants me to not be married anymore and that's what singularity means we're gonna find out <laughs> all about it okay i don't know <laughs> bring me the data i want to put my hand on the center's desk and go there <laughs> <laughs> all right. love you guys all right all right, you. All right. You. <laughs> for for nathan for akashi chris this is dj saying peace out peace. one love and we'll see you down the road because Nathan and I are always wondering what's up around the bend. That's right. Peace, y'all. Peace. Bye, guys.